At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying his word together. Today, we invite you to tune in for our current series, Reveal, Stories with Purpose as we study the parables of Jesus, reading stories with the power to reveal God's truth in our lives. Well, good morning, everyone. For anyone who might not know me, my name is Drew Clarkson, and I have the privilege of serving on staff with the Dream Center. It's such a blessing to be able to share from God's word this morning especially in a time where I know many of us have dealt with and been fighting unusual levels of anxiety and stress during this challenging time for our country and really the rest of the world. The recent COVID-19 pandemic and the racial tension and injustices we've been facing have caused a lot of tension and anxiety for us. When I think about life, I can think of many things that have driven me to anxiety or sadness in the world. Another thing that's caused me anxiety and sadness in the past is a fear of missing out, especially missing out from a party or gathering where I know a lot of my friends or people that I want to hang out with will be attending. Have you ever been excluded from a party invitation? It stinks, doesn't it? Discovering that a friend or someone you'd like to know better and be associated with is having a party, yet they exclude your name from the invitation list. It really hurts. That was the existential crisis for almost all of us during high school. And maybe if we're honest, it is still the existential crisis we're facing today as adults. We have probably all had that moment in life where we worried and thought, what if I'm not invited? What if so-and-so has a party and I don't get an invitation? I wonder if many of us, without knowing perhaps, act the same way when it comes to the good news of Christ. Do we treat the gospel and the life-saving message of Christ as Savior and Lord as, the, as only an exclusive invitation? Or maybe sometimes we doubt that we correctly understood uh, or understand the invitation of the gospel, or if we have indeed really received it. The past couple of weeks, we've been looking at some of the parables of Jesus in the gospel of Luke. And today we've come to another parable that Jesus gives to the religious leaders of his day. Let's open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 24. This parable, I think, can help us answer some of these tough questions we might have about the gospel and the kingdom of God. This passage opens up with a conversation that Jesus has with the host of a dinner party he was invited to. Luke 14, 1 puts us in the setting. It is a Sabbath day meal, and these meals were usually the after-church dinner meals that we might enjoy in a similar way today. Everyone would go to the synagogue for the reading and teaching of the word, and then, after the synagogue meeting, they would retire to their homes to eat and celebrate together. In this instance, Jesus has been invited over to the home of a prominent leading Pharisee a ruler of the Pharisees. However, this Pharisee's motivations and the motivations of the other religious leaders present at the center were not out of kindness and warm hospitality. They were more devious ideas and intentions. In Luke 14:1, it says, they were watching him carefully. Yet, despite the fact the Pharisees are watching Jesus closely in an attempt to trip him up, in this meal, Jesus has already challenged the religious leaders that were there multiple times. And in our text, he's going to do so again. This time, he specifically addresses the man who invited him. Jesus turns his view of who is in the kingdom of God and who is not upside down. It's in this environment that Jesus tells a parable about a great banquet and who is invited. And he challenges us in two ways about how we view the invitation of the gospel and who we share it with. First, he challenges us to check your current invite list. Again, first, he challenges us to check your current invite list. Let's pick up and read in Luke chapter 14, starting with verse 12. 
He said to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers, your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they invite you also in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Before Jesus tells the parable, he utters a command to the Pharisee. When they gather together for these dinner banquets, which were usually a weekly practice, Jesus tells them to rethink the list of who is invited to join. These dinner parties were really exchanges of power, prestige, and position. And they demonstrated a continued ignorance and even exploitation of the poor and the powerless. They elevated the rich and powerful and excluded the needy and the weak. In his commentary on the Gospel of Luke, Joel Green writes, the Pharisees are thus portrayed as persons who exploit hospitality for their own self-serving agendas. Their patterns of hospitality both secure their positions of dominance in their communities and insulate them from the needy. Instead, in verse 13, Jesus announces that the invitation list should be open to those who cannot repay, the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. For this type of generosity and hospitality, Jesus offers a different type of blessing. Their repayment will come at the resurrection to come. Jesus' reversal of this social norm isn't in order to overthrow a conventional practice as much as it is to get us to think about our own types of hospitality and generosity, especially as it pertains to our gospel hospitality and generosity. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, think about how generous Jesus was in inviting you to follow him. In Romans 5.8 it says, While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. In other words, Jesus was generous to us to an extent that we could never repay as it pertains to his gospel generosity to us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I always loved how my high school history teacher, Mr. Geely, invited a group of my friends and I to his office for lunch once a week during my senior year. During lunch, he would talk about God as he answered many of our questions about life. At the time, I honestly didn't even believe in God, yet I still remember and am thankful for those times. And I can see that during those times, he planted seeds in my life during those lunches that are beginning to bear fruit in my life today as a follower of Jesus. Think about that. All of this was possible because he was simply willing to be generous and hospitable with the gospel to a bunch of kids like me who are far from God. In the same way, in this parable, Jesus' command isn't just about who we invite to our after-church Sunday cookouts or to our high school classroom lunches. He's aiming deeper with regard to our view of the kingdom of God. Often, we treat the invitation of the gospel like it is a social party invitation. This has to stop. The reversal is getting us to think about who are we willing to share the gospel with as followers of Christ. Are we only interested in sharing and inviting to Christ those whom we know, those whom we like, those whom we believe are worthy of getting that invitation? Or is our gospel hospitality much deeper? Are we willing to be gospel generous with people who are far from God, like Mr. Geely was for a group of high school students like me and my friends? Would we be happy if heaven included those who we look down on? Would we be okay with inviting the very people that we currently see as a threat to our way of life, to our safety, to our security? I think many of us, uh, for us, we can be eager to make sure that people we feel comfortable with receive the gospel message, but we can be very indifferent and even hostile about seeing the gospel go to those we don't believe deserve it. For others, we might need to be asked if we're willing to share the gospel with anyone at all, even those we like. 
Do we care if those around us hear the gospel? For those of us who follow Jesus, this is really a question of missional justice. I think about William Carey, who is one of the great modern missionaries of the past 200 years. William Carey saw the great need for the advance of the gospel to all nations in the late 18th century. He saw that it was imperative that Christians go to the far places of the world where the gospel had not yet been proclaimed and declare the good news of Christ. However, unfortunately, many of the churches in England didn't share his view. At a meeting of Baptist leaders in the 1700s, in fact, Carey stood to argue for the value of overseas missions. He was abruptly interrupted by an older minister who said, young man, sit down. You're an enthusiast. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he'll do it without consulting you or me. Is that our attitude towards the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind that Jesus refers to in this parable? Is that our attitude towards those who have never heard the gospel or never had a chance to hear about Jesus? Is that our attitude in general to our neighbors who don't know Jesus or those we consider to be too far off to share in the blessings of Christ's resurrection? Or are we freely sharing the invitation of God's celebrations with those God has placed in our life? To complete this point, Jesus doesn't just say it plainly. He shares a parable. He raises a question and then shows us the way of the kingdom. Let's pick back up in verse 15. It says, When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blesses everyone who will eat the bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out to see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, verse 22, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. The second half of this passage, this parable helps us to see Jesus' second challenge to us as we think about how we view the kingdom of God. This parable helps us see that we should look and see how Jesus invites everybody to the banquet. See how Jesus invites everybody. Let's walk through this section verse by verse to make sure we understand the implications of this parable. As the dinner party continued, someone overheard Jesus' initial remark to the host and leading Pharisee, perhaps seeking to lift the tension of the conversation and divert the conversation into happier things, someone belts out, blesses everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. It's as if he's saying, won't it be nice when we all just get to heaven and we are eating together? In this moment of tension where Jesus has just called out the host and leading Pharisee, this other religious leader tries to relieve the tension by saying, won't it be nice, Jesus, when we're all just eating bread in the kingdom together, when we're all in heaven together. Jesus responds to this man with a parable. The setting of the parable is a great banquet, just like the one they're enjoying right now. The host of this banquet was generous in his invitations, and he invited many. When the time for the banquet came, the host sent one of his servants out to tell those that the party was ready to start and they should come on over. 
the surprise is that the people who were invited began to make excuses about why they couldn't and wouldn't come. The phrase, they all alike, in verse 18, demonstrates that everyone inviting was now refusing to come. It was a hostile and insulting response to the generous invitation of the hosts. It's important to note that in the culture of Christ, these sorts of banquets and parties were lavish affairs. It took time to plan and prepare a banquet like this. Yet, despite being invited to this lavish banquet, all those who received an invitation disregarded it and made excuses about why they couldn't come in verses 18 through 20. In his book, Interpreting the Parables, Craig Bloomberg comments on these excuses by saying, What all three share is an extraordinary lameness. One excuse was the need to survey a newly purchased property. Wouldn't one have done that before buying it? Another excuse was similar in the need to expect a group of oxen recently purchased. Again, wouldn't one do that before the purchase? A final excuse was because the man had recently married a wife. But how would that prevent you from going to a party you've already affirmed that you were going to attend? Every excuse Jesus shares is a challenge to the greater reality of the Jews' refusal to enter the kingdom of God through the Messiah. He was exposing the fact that they were focusing on earthly and temporal practices instead of eternal ones. In verse 21, we read, The report back to the master is not good, and the master is rightly angry about it. So, since those who should have attended didn't show up, the master turns the tables, and those who in no way, shape, or form would have typically been invited to this type of banquet are invited. He invites the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. In his commentary on the book of Luke, Daryl Bach writes, This move pictures Jesus' offer of the gospel to the nation's common and needy people after the leadership's hesitation to respond to him. It also suggests a note of initiative in the effort to find guests for the feast. After the second invitation goes out, the servant replies that there is still room. The people who would not normally be invited are coming, but the house still has open seats. So the master sends out the servant a third time, this time to the highways and hedges, a picture of those far outside the community. The servant is to compel them to come in so that there will be a full house for the banquet. The master wants the celebration to be great. Jesus concludes the parable in verse 24 by indicting those who made excuses and did not come at the initial invitation. Their insult to the master ends up resulting in their ultimate exclusion from the banquet altogether. So what is Jesus trying to teach us today with this command and parable? I think one of the applications of Jesus' parable is that the invitation to the kingdom of God is not an exclusive invitation. While the Jews refuse to receive Christ as the Messiah and come into the kingdom banquet, the invitation has subsequently gone out to all the nations. The song of worship in Revelation 5 declares that the kingdom banquet will be filled with every tribe and language and people and nation. The new heavens and earth pictured in Revelation 21 are the place are a place where the nations will walk by the light of Christ and the glory and honor of the nations will be present. If we are followers of Christ, we need to have a similar perspective. Instead of merely focusing inwardly or on those with a shared ethic or social status, we should take into consideration that the gospel is for everyone. There's no person in our lives, no human being on our block, no neighbor in the cubicle next to us that the good news of the Savior isn't for. We must not be like the religious elite, being glad we're getting to enjoy the party without considering who else should be invited. However, I think there's also a stern warning here for us to make sure that we are not neglecting the invitation ourselves. 
Many can be part of a church, grow up in the church, and be around the Christian faith, but still refuse the invitation. How sad will it be on the day of judgment for those who sat in churches and participated in ministries, yet never received the grace of God for themselves, be rejected, uh, and have subsequently rejected Christ's invitation. How painful it will be for them to hear, depart from me, I never knew you. Like Jesus warns what he will say to some in Matthew 7, 23. The primary point of this parable for the religious leaders dining with Jesus and for us today is to consider how we are viewing the kingdom of God. Instead of resting on our own righteousness or being stingy with our evangelism and only sharing the good news of the gospel with the people we like, Jesus, Jesus teaches us to share the open invitation into God's celebration. Share the open invitation into God's celebration. We are to take the gospel to everyone, regardless of ethnic makeup, bank account status, religious affiliation, or their preferred sexual orientation. We are to make disciples of every tribe. The saving news of Jesus is for all people. The gospel is the good news that Christ is a Savior and that only through him can we enter into the kingdom of God. And just like what we read in the parable of the sower earlier in the series, the gospel is to thus be broadcast far and wide. So we are to make the invitation far and wide because we never know when God might use us to play an active role in him leading someone he's placed in our life to repentance. At Woodside Bible Church, our mission is to help people belong to Christ, grow in Christ, and reach the world for Christ. This mission begs the question, who needs to be invited to the party? Very simply, who are you inviting? Perhaps the person you need to invite is the person you least expect to respond. It could be the person who has mocked and insulted you for your faith in Christ. I want to encourage you today, don't give up. Share the invitation. As a follower of Christ, are you willing to share the good news with those God has brought into your life? Will you tell those who are hurting near you that Jesus loves them? Will you share with a Muslim neighbor that you prefer didn't live in your neighborhood? Will you tell the political activist with a completely different worldview that Jesus is the eternal Savior and King? Will you extend the hospitality of the Father to those whomever God in all his servant sovereignty has placed in your life? Or maybe when you hear the question, who needs to be invited to the party, you realize that you don't yet belong to Christ and desire to become part of his family today. Jesus taught this parable because many in this time and throughout history have misunderstood the kingdom of God and Jesus' invitation to the great banquet. Many are so blinded by the things of this world that they make excuses and end up rejecting their party, their invitation to the party. Is this where you find yourself today? Don't miss, don't miss your chance to receive the gospel in this moment. Just like the master in this parable, Jesus has gone to great lengths to invite us to his celebration. He came to earth. He lived a perfect life and died a perfect atoning death on the cross for our sins. He then rose from the dead on the third day to defeat the forces of darkness and provide us with the opportunity to repent and believe in his finished work for our salvation. In Romans 10.9, it teaches us that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God has risen him from the dead, we will be saved. I want to encourage you that you can make that decision to repent and believe in the gospel today. Wherever you are in this moment, I pray that Jesus would help you belong to, grow in, or reach the world for Christ today. Let's pray that Jesus would help us share the open invitation into God's celebration. Jesus, we love you, we trust you, Lord, and we know that you know exactly where we're at today, God. So Lord, I pray for those who don't know you. 
I pray that they could come to you today, Lord. I pray that you would open their hearts to the gospel, Lord, and that they could be saved, Lord, so that they could share in the riches of the blessings that come with being your child. And God, for those of us who do follow you, Lord, I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that you would empower us, Lord. I pray that you would use us to share the gospel with those around us in our lives. God, you've, all, you've given all of us a purpose. You've given all of us people in our lives, Lord, who you've called us to be your light for, Lord. So I pray that you would help us do that today. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. For anyone who might not know me, my name is Drew Clarkson, and I have the privilege of serving on staff with the Dream Center. It's such a blessing to be able to share from God's Word this morning, especially in a time where I know many of us have dealt with and been fighting unusual levels of anxiety and stress during this challenging time for our country and really the rest of the world. The recent COVID-19 pandemic and the racial tension and injustices we've been facing have caused a lot of tension and anxiety for us. When I think about life, I can think of many things that have driven me to anxiety or sadness in the world. Another thing that's caused me anxiety and sadness in the past is the fear of missing out, especially missing out from a party or gathering where I know a lot of my friends or people that I want to hang out with will be attending. Have you ever been excluded from a party invitation? It stinks, doesn't it? Discovering that a friend or someone you'd like to know better and be associated with is having a party, yet they exclude your name from the invitation list. It really hurts. That was the existential crisis for almost all of us during high school. And maybe if we're honest, it is still the existential crisis we're facing today as adults. We have probably all had that moment in life where we worried and thought, what if I'm not invited? What if so-and-so has a party and I don't get an invitation? I wonder if many of us, without knowing perhaps, act the same way when it comes to the good news of Christ. Do we treat the gospel and the life-saving message of Christ as Savior and Lord as, the, as only an exclusive invitation? Or maybe sometimes we doubt that we correctly understood uh, or an, understand the invitation of the gospel or if we have indeed really received it. The past couple of weeks, we've been looking at some of the parables of Jesus in the gospel of Luke. And today we've come to another parable that Jesus gives to the religious leaders of his day. Let's open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 24. This parable, I think, can help us answer some of these tough questions we might have about the gospel and the kingdom of God. This passage opens up with a conversation that Jesus has with the host of a dinner party he was invited to. Luke 14, 1 puts us in the setting. 
It is a Sabbath day meal, and these meals were usually the after-church dinner meals that we might enjoy in a similar way today. Everyone would go to the synagogue for the reading and teaching of the word, and then, after the synagogue meeting, they would retire to their homes to eat and celebrate together. In this instance, Jesus has been invited over to the home of a prominent leading Pharisee, a ruler of the Pharisees. However, this Pharisee's motivations and the motivations of the other religious leaders present at the center were not out of kindness and warm hospitality. They were more devious ideas and intentions. In Luke 14, 1, it says, they were watching him carefully. Yet, despite the fact the Pharisees are watching Jesus closely in an attempt to trip him up, in this meal, Jesus has already challenged the religious leaders that were there multiple times. And in our text, he's going to do so again. This time, he specifically addresses the man who invited him. Jesus turns his view of who is in the kingdom of God and who is not upside down. It's in this environment that Jesus tells a parable about a great banquet and who is invited. And he challenges us in two ways about how we view the invitation of the gospel and who we share with. First, he challenges us to check your current invite list. Again, first he challenges us to check your current invite list. Let's pick up and read in Luke chapter 14, starting with verse 12. He said to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers, your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they invite you also in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Before Jesus tells the parable, he utters a command to the Pharisee. When they gather together for these dinner banquets, which were usually a weekly practice, Jesus tells them to rethink the list of who is invited to join. These dinner parties were really exchanges of power, prestige, and position, and they demonstrated a continued ignorance and even exploitation of the poor and the powerless. They elevated the rich and powerful and excluded the needy and the weak. In his commentary on the Gospel of Luke, Joel Green writes, the Pharisees are thus portrayed as persons who exploit hospitality for their own self-serving agendas. Their patterns of hospitality both secure their positions of dominance in their communities and insulate them from the needy. Instead, in verse 13, Jesus announces that the invitation list should be open to those who cannot repay, the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. For this type of generosity and hospitality, Jesus offers a different type of blessing. Their repayment will come at the resurrection to come. Jesus' reversal of this social norm isn't in order to overthrow a conventional practice as much as it is to get us to think about our own types of hospitality and generosity, especially as it pertains to our gospel hospitality and generosity. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, think about how generous Jesus was in inviting you to follow him. In Romans 5.8, it says, While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. In other words, Jesus was generous to us to an extent that we could never repay as it pertains to his gospel generosity to us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I always loved how my high school history teacher, Mr. Geely, invited a group of my friends and I to his office for lunch once a week during my senior year. During lunch, he would talk about God as he answered many of our questions about life. At the time, I honestly didn't even believe in God, yet I still remember and am thankful for those times. And I can see that during those times, he planted seeds in my life during those lunches that are beginning to bear fruit in my life today as a follower of Jesus. 
Think about that. All of this was possible because he was simply willing to be generous and hospitable with the gospel to a bunch of kids like me who are far from God. In the same way in this parable, Jesus' command isn't just about who we invite to our after-church Sunday cookouts or to our high school classroom lunches. He's aiming deeper with regard to our view of the kingdom of God. Often, we treat the invitation of the gospel like it is a social party invitation. This has to stop. The reversal is getting us to think about who are we willing to share the gospel with as followers of Christ. Are we only interested in sharing and inviting to Christ those whom we know, those whom we like, those whom we believe are worthy of getting that invitation? Or is our gospel hospitality much deeper? Are we willing to be gospel generous with people who are far from God, like Mr. Geely was for a group of high school students like me and my friends? Would we be happy if heaven included those who we look down on? Would we, would we be okay with inviting the very people that we currently see as a threat to our way of life, to our safety, to our security? I think many of us, uh, for us, we can be eager to make sure that people we feel comfortable with receive the gospel message, but we can be very indifferent and even hostile about seeing the gospel go to those we don't believe deserve it. For others, we might need to be asked if we're willing to share the gospel with anyone at all even those we like? Do we care if those around us hear the gospel? For those of us who follow Jesus, this is really a question of missional justice. I think about William Carey, who is one of the great modern missionaries of the past 200 years. William Carey saw the great need for the advance of the gospel to all nations in the late 18th century. He saw that it was imperative that Christians go to the far places of the world where the gospel had not yet been proclaimed and declare the good news of Christ. However, unfortunately, many of the churches in England didn't share his view. At a meeting of Baptist leaders in the 1700s, in fact, Carey stood to argue for the value of overseas missions. He was abruptly interrupted by an older minister who said, Young man, sit down. You're an enthusiast. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he'll do it without consulting you or me. Is that our attitude towards the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind that Jesus refers to in this parable? Is that our attitude towards those who have never heard the gospel or never had a chance to hear about Jesus? Is that our attitude in general to our neighbors who don't know Jesus or those we consider to be too far off to share in the blessings of Christ's resurrection? Or are we freely sharing the invitation of God's celebrations with those God has placed in our life? To complete this point, Jesus doesn't just say it plainly. He shares a parable. He raises a question and then shows us the way of the kingdom. Let's pick back up in verse 15. It says, When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat the bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out to see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, verse 22, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, 
none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. The second half of this passage, this parable helps us to see Jesus' second challenge to us as we think about how we view the kingdom of God. This parable helps us see that we should look and see how Jesus invites everybody to the banquet. See how Jesus invites everybody. Let's walk through this section verse by verse to make sure we understand the implications of this parable. As the dinner party continued, someone overheard Jesus' initial remark to the host and leading Pharisee, perhaps seeking to lift the tension of the conversation and divert the conversation into happier things. Someone belts out, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. It's as if he's saying, won't it be nice when we all just get to heaven and we are eating together? In this moment of tension where Jesus has just called out the host and leading Pharisee, this other religious leader tries to relieve the tension by saying, won't it be nice, Jesus, when we're all just eating bread in the kingdom together, when we're all in heaven together? Jesus responds to this man with a parable. The setting of the parable is a great banquet, just like the one they're enjoying right now. The host of this banquet was generous in his invitations, and he invited many. When the time for the banquet came, the host sent one of his servants out to tell those that the party was ready to start and they should come on over. The surprise is that the people who were invited began to make excuses about why they couldn't and wouldn't come. The phrase, they all alike, in verse 18, demonstrates that everyone inviting was now refusing to come. It was a hostile and insulting response to the generous invitation of the hosts. It's important to note that in the culture of Christ, these sorts of banquets and parties were lavish affairs. It took time to plan and prepare a banquet like this. Yet, despite being invited to this lavish banquet, all those who received an invitation disregarded it and made excuses about why they couldn't come in verses 18 through 20. In his book, Interpreting the Parables, Craig Bloomberg comments on these excuses by saying, what all three share is an extraordinary lameness. One excuse was the need to survey a newly purchased property. Wouldn't one have done that before buying it? Another excuse was similar in the need to expect a group of oxen recently purchased. Again, wouldn't one do that before the purchase? A final excuse was because the man had recently married a wife. But how would that prevent you from going to a party you've already affirmed that you were going to attend? Every excuse Jesus shares as a challenge to the greater reality of the Jews' refusal to enter the kingdom of God through the Messiah. He was exposing the fact that they were focusing on earthly and temporal practices instead of eternal ones. In verse 21, we read, The report back to the master is not good, and the master is rightly angry about it. So, since those who should have attended didn't show up, the master turns the tables, and those who in no way, shape, or form would have typically been invited to this type of banquet are invited. He invites the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. In his commentary on the book of Luke, Daryl Bach writes, this move pictures Jesus' offer of the gospel to the nation's common and needy people after the leadership's hesitation to respond to him. It also suggests a note of initiative in the effort to find guests for the feast. After the second invitation goes out, the servant replies that there is still room. The people who would not normally be invited are coming, but the house still has open seats. So the master sends out the servant a third time, this time to the highways and hedges, a picture of those far outside the community. The servant is to compel them to come in so that there will be a full house for the banquet. The master wants a celebration to be great. Jesus concludes the parable in verse 24 by indicting those who made excuses and did not come at the initial invitation. 
their insult to the master ends up resulting in their ultimate exclusion from the banquet altogether. So what is Jesus trying to teach us today with this command and parable? I think one of the applications of Jesus' parable is that the invitation to the kingdom of God is not an exclusive invitation. While the Jews refuse to receive Christ as the Messiah and come into the kingdom banquet, the invitation has subsequently gone out to all the nations. The song of worship in Revelation 5 declares that the kingdom banquet will be filled with every tribe and language and people and nation. The new heavens and earth pictured in Revelation 21 are the place are a place where the nations will walk by the light of Christ and the glory and honor of the nations will be present. If we are followers of Christ, we need to have a similar perspective. Instead of merely focusing inwardly or on those with a shared ethic or social status, we should take into consideration that the gospel is for everyone. There is no person in our lives, no human being on our block, no neighbor in the cubicle next to us that the good news of the Savior isn't for. We must not be like the religious elite, being glad we're getting to enjoy the party without considering who else should be invited. However, I think there's also a stern warning here for us to make sure that we are not neglecting the invitation ourselves. Many can be part of a church, grow up in the church, and be around the Christian faith, but still refuse the invitation. How sad will it be on the day of judgment for those who sat in churches and participated in ministries, yet never received the grace of God for themselves, be rejected, uh, and have subsequently rejected Christ's invitation. How painful it will be for them to hear, depart from me, I never knew you. Like Jesus warns what he will say to some in Matthew 7, 23. The primary point of this parable for the religious leaders dining with Jesus and for us today is to consider how we are viewing the kingdom of God. Instead of resting on our own righteousness or being stingy with our evangelism and only sharing the good news of the gospel with the people we like, Jesus, Jesus teaches us to share the open invitation into God's celebration. Share the open invitation into God's celebration. We are to take the gospel to everyone, regardless of ethnic makeup, bank account status, religious affiliation, or their preferred sexual orientation. We are to make disciples of every tribe. The saving news of Jesus is for all people. The gospel is the good news that Christ is a Savior and that only through him can we enter into the kingdom of God. And just like what we read in the parable of the sower earlier in the series, the gospel is to thus be broadcast far and wide. So we are to make the invitation far and wide because we never know when God might use us to play an active role in him leading someone he's placed in our life to repentance. At Woodside Bible Church, our mission is to help people belong to Christ, grow in Christ, and reach the world for Christ. This mission begs the question, who needs to be invited to the party? Very simply, who are you inviting? Perhaps the person you need to invite is the person you least expect to respond. It could be the person who has mocked and insulted you for your faith in Christ. I want to encourage you today, don't give up. Share the invitation. As a follower of Christ, are you willing to share the good news with those God has brought into your life? Will you tell those who are hurting near you that Jesus loves them? Will you share with a Muslim neighbor that you prefer didn't live in your neighborhood? Will you tell the political activist with a completely different worldview that Jesus is the eternal Savior and King? Will you extend the hospitality of the Father to those whomever God in all his sovereignty has placed in your life? Or maybe when you hear the question, who needs to be invited to the party, you realize that you don't yet belong to Christ and desire to become part of his family today. Jesus taught this parable because many in this time and throughout history have misunderstood the kingdom of God 
and Jesus' invitation to the great banquet. Many are so blinded by the things of this world that they make excuses and end up rejecting their party, their invitation to the party. Is this where you find yourself today? Don't miss, don't miss your chance to receive the gospel in this moment. Just like the master in this parable, Jesus has gone to great lengths to invite us to his celebration. He came to earth. He lived a perfect life and died a perfect atoning death on the cross for our sins. He then rose from the dead on the third day to defeat the forces of darkness and provide us with the opportunity to repent and believe in his finished work for our salvation. In Romans 10.9, it teaches us that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God has risen him from the dead, we will be saved. I want to encourage you that you can make that decision to repent and believe in the gospel today. Wherever you are in this moment, I pray that Jesus would help you belong to, grow in, or reach the world for Christ today. Let's pray that Jesus would help us share the open invitation into God's celebration. Jesus, we love you. We trust you, Lord, and we know that you know exactly where we're at today, God. So, Lord, I pray for those who don't know you. I pray that they could come to you today, Lord. I pray that you would open their hearts to the gospel, Lord, and that they could be saved, Lord, so that they could share in the riches of the blessings that come with being your child. And, God, for those of us who do follow you, Lord, I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that you would empower us, Lord. I pray that you would use us to share the gospel with those around us in our lives. God, you've all, you've given all of us a purpose. You've given all of us people in our lives, Lord, who you've called us to be your light for, Lord. So I pray that you would help us do that today. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together this week. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and to get you connected to the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself today.